Welcome back to Simon and White and the Never Woke podcast at the crossroads of media, politics, and business. I'm Christian Whiten, joined as always by Mark Simon in Taiwan today. Say hello, Mark. Hi, everybody. How are you? Well, Mark, um, back here in America, something big failed. Actually, a couple of big failures this week, but one of the biggest failures was the woke walkout at Disney. Uh, what can you tell us about it? It seemed like this was not really that much of a protest that it was made out to be for Disney's uh, lack of aplomb in woke politics. Look, I mean, I, I think what happens is, is that in the Twitter world, that people live now, they live in, they live in zones. They live in their own bubbles. I don't like the term bubble. I like the word zone because bubble implies that nothing gets in. They live in this, they live in this district. You know what I'm saying? It's like they all live in this political district and there's a few things coming in and out, but overwhelmingly the noise is reinforcing. And I think if, if, if you're part of the most progressive alliances that are inside and, and groups that are inside Disney, when you saw this alert, alert go up from your outside political activist groups, and this is the corporate point, what happened is these people took all this outside information and, put, and they brought it into Disney. In other words, like all their activism groups, all the radical, all the radical groups outside, all the basically partisan groups outside who were dealing with this, the don't say gay bill, whichever the name of the bill is, I'm, I'm even calling it the don't say gay bill. What they, they brought all that politics inside in the company. Here's the problem. All that information exists outside and exists outside the company in its own zone where truth is not what matters. It's partisan, partisanship that what matters. It's people pushing an agenda that what matters. It's people trying to score political points. So then here you are at Disney trying to run a company which, you know, where your major product thing is how many, how do we get more people in the movie theaters? And you bring basically crap in, bad information in, bad, all these bad things. So what happens? What happens is this crap comes out. So in other words, mm -hmm. everybody in the company is confused. Nobody has an idea what's going on. There's dissonance everywhere in terms of what it means. This is a bill that said you can't talk about sex to kids who are under the third third grade and under. Most people are fine with that. And if you got a problem with that, I suggest you're not part of the mainstream and you're certainly not part of the mainstream of a company that is selling itself as the family entertainment option, okay? As a parent yourself, you know, there are certain things that are no goat areas and you don't want your kid to be faced with basically things that you might feel are not appropriate, age appropriate. And you don't want a teacher talking about them, the third grade teacher, or the kindergarten right. teacher talking about them. Because the, the only one who's gonna talk, who's gonna bring it up is some activist weirdo. Nine out of 10 teachers would not, but the one who does is not the one you yeah. want to talk, talk about the issue. No, I, I, we, we, I, my kids are all in Catholic schools, so we didn't deal with it, but I, I've got a family Ooh. member who had an awful time with one teacher who just literally at the kids lower level it would literally the united the parents against the teacher. And of course the teacher was like, I got to quit. And, you know, because it's all these things, but anyway, the side, the side, the side issues are the main issues I should say are here's a company that once again, allowed people to bring activism into the company. And then what happened? What did they have? I think CNBC and other people wouldn't even discuss how many thousands walked out. 
because it wasn't how many thousands, it was just a couple of thousand at max. In Burbank, it was less than 200 people. That's a huge facility. That's thousands of people in Burbank. Left-leaning wow. Burbank, you had less than 10% of the staff walk out, maybe less than 5% from what I understand. Then down at the, then down at the theme parks, not even 2 or 3% participated. It's, it's because I think when people actually, rational people who work a job, live a life, whether they're in the LGBTQ community or not, are like, <laughs> do I really want to bring this to my office? Do right. I really want to bring this into my office? This is controversial. Okay. They're not talking about high school here. They're talking about third grade and under, you know, and, and then Disney's ended up, what have they done? They've damaged the brand. And, and, and the, ironic, the irony is they actually, the CEO's instincts initially were actually very good. You know, yes. he, has, he has a team in there that's trying to basically move them away from the radical politics of Bob Iger, you know, who I, I think was not a good CEO. I think Bob Iger set the company up for this. You know, Iger, right. basically his wife's the head of this USC journalism school. They're so rich and so wealthy that doesn't even doesn't doesn't nothing matters to them. You know what I'm saying? We'll talk right. about the rich and the wealthy and mattering to them in a second. But <laughs> I, I think the thing is for invent what I tell people all the time is, you know, this is a company that basically has probably lost a lot of employees because of this. I mean, I'm not talking five percent of the workforce, but there's probably a lot of Christian employees who is there a place for me here? Right. Do I need to work here? And that's in your IT departments, your accounting departments, your security people, uh, your marketing people, engineering. You know, God I mean, forbid one or two actual writers or talent or voiceover people, but probably not animators. You, you want to like hear that. my theory about talent with Disney? There is no, no talent. Yes, at yes. There's no talent. <laughs> There's no talent at Disney. They bought up to get their big hits. They had a bunch of buy a bunch of cartoons that Stan Lee wrote back in the 1950s and 60s, and that's their hit. They got Minnie Mouse and Goofy and Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, which some dead crazy guy, Walt Disney, put up years ago. They have got nothing. They have done nothing since The, since the Prince is the Frog. The Prince yeah, is in it's the like Frog. Microsoft and Office. It's like, if you didn't have Office, you know, what, what they, would you be? They, they are nothing. I am so tired. Well, we have a lot of talent at Disney. Oh, my God, you got a roller coaster, and you dressed it up like a Freaking, you know, freaking shrimp or whatever you guys did. I don't know. <laughs> you know like, my point is, there's no talent at Disney. What have they done? What movie has Disney done where it's knocked it right out of the park that wasn't somebody else's IP, intellectual property? There's none. They're, oh, the Imagineering unit. Oh, wow. You know, you're the same people that in Hong Kong, you're the same people that in Hong Kong basically put every single thing that's successful is what Walt Disney did. Snow White, Mickey Mouse, all the characters walking around, they're into. Buzz Lightyear, that's not Disney, folks. That's called Pixar, all right? That was Pixar who, who opened that up. That was, And what did they do to the head of Pixar? They got rid of him for not being woken up. Has Pixar had a, had a real hit since Lassiter left? Think about it. Interesting. Yeah, and you wonder how, how widespread this is going to be across all businesses that have gone woke. It just, it, it's such a, a 
collection of mediocrities who rise up, um, that's who falls back on this always. It's never the top talents, or you know, because people with real skill are, are there to sort of use their skill. So, and also, um, can I tell you something? People with real skill and people who are moving up don't sit around all day long looking to repress other people. Anybody right. who's looking to get out there and repress somebody and hold out a viewpoint and hold on has no confidence in their own viewpoint. That'd be like being in a, imagine here's the Disney activist. The Disney internal activists are, hey, I heard somebody wants to put up a goofy slide and I want to put up the Mickey Mouse slide. That guy who wants to do the goofy slide, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to basically sabotage him into the next year and drive him out of the company. Nobody does that in the real world, okay? But all of a sudden, the guy who's doing the, the Mickey Mouse slide is fighting somebody who said, we notice you're a Catholic. That actually happened at Disney. I know that act. I know the story. I fully believe it. Some guy had like put Christ back in Christmas on his car and he was confronted by two women in the parking lot. And you know who <laughs> stepped in and saved him? He said the ironic was who stepped in and he said he stepped in and saved him. He was was basically a lesbian woman who was like, why are you giving him a hard time? The, the, my point is, is that there's serious people in both camps. And it's like when you go to Google, when you go to Google, half the people at Google don't care about politics. Then the other half do care about politics. All right. And but that half that does care about politics, most of them are very decent people on both sides. And you've got this small percentage, if you're a manager, that are looking to crush people. And the only way you get rid of them is you crush them. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest with you. Your, right. your HR department cannot be empowered. This Have you heard of the thing, bring the whole you to work, the whole person to work? I have not, no. It's, it's basically this concept, you bring all of you to work and we, we work with all of you. Who came up with that crap? <laughs> you don't bring the whole right. person to work. Nobody cares about the whole person. Most people do all they can to get away from the water cooler when I walk over and start talking. You know, the boss. You know, they run. They, I think I'm surprised they don't hide in halls when I come walking around. They don't want to talk to me about politics. They want to talk about life. But anyway, I mean, and, and they want to. I'm say they want to talk about business life. I should say. Right. Right. All right. Well, speaking of super rich people, detached and uh, maybe getting their comeuppance, but probably not. It'll probably hit the rest of us and not them. Um, it's a little unclear, as a lot of things are that come out of the Biden administration. Um, but supposedly a tax on billionaires, 20 percent minimum tax. And there's also this idea, again, of taxing capital gains that haven't actually been realized, which just sounds like an awesome way to kill the market. I'm already pretty pessimistic and negative about the market this year with rates going up, the monetary um, free lunch being taken away, uh, and oil at 110, gasoline at uh, almost five bucks, a little under. Um, but this is a great way to kill it. Um, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think about this? And, and do you think this has any prospects? I, I, I think it's going to go. It's not going to it's not going to be. It's not going to be what we think it is. I mean, fortunately, there are people who are going to block it. But in many ways, I am. I feel sorry for like some of the the majority of the billionaires. But this is what we was talking about with Bob Iger and his wife and everybody else who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. 
And imagine if Bob Iger gets hit with an unrealized property capital gains tax. Um, he's probably worth four or five hundred million dollars of unrealized capital gains. So, you know, what's he, what's he going to have a bill of at 20 percent? He's probably going to have a bill of 55, 60 million dollars that he's going to have to sell. And then he's going to trigger real capital gains as well. You know, it's a never right. ending. fight. But the thing is, is that it's really the war on success. And unfortunately, the guy who could talk about this the best would be Trump, but Trump doesn't talk about anything else well. And the point being <laughs> is, is that we are actually reaching a point where there's just open warfare on the wealthy. I mean, it's a yeah. billionaire's tax, but it kicks in for people who are worth more than a hundred million. So in other words, it always starts that way. Didn't the income tax start? It's just a millionaire's tax during World War One, which would be like a billionaire today. And pretty soon your plumber is paying it. Look, th this is going to the, the, the money is only in one spot. It's in pension funds. That's where the money is. And the pension funds are the easiest to tax because essentially you're not dealing with the person. You're dealing with Mark Simon or Christian Witten's pension fund or 401k. So we never have to fill out the check. They just send the bill, you know, like the, the, the 1099, the report that everybody gets. The, the IRS will then just send the bill to the 1099 and it'll say Kristen Witten has $10 million in account in his account. He has of which $4 million is unrealized capital gains. That's his gain. He hasn't sold it yet. We're going to take 20% of that. So you're going to wake up. April 15th or April 20th or whatever, they're going to take the money out. And you're going to be, holy shit, I had $10 million in here. Now I got $9.2 million in here because they just took basically 20% of your unrealized capital gains. And when do you get that back? Do they hit, do they hit you? Do they hit you the next year? When you have not when the market's gone down, but you still have five hundred thousand, you still have a two million dollars in unrealized capital gains. Do they hit twenty percent of that again? In other words, what's the right. base for the unrealized capital gains? Or what they're going to force you to do is keep flipping, which is going right. to increase your tax burden and is going to give you no incentive. And corporations are going to have no incentives. So then what we're going right. to do is, well, why would we, why don't we just, they're going to, well, they'll, then they'll either dividend everything out, which is fun, or most likely they'll give the CEO and the CEOs, they'll increase executive compensation considerably. Okay. Cause that's what I would do. I'd pay people a lot more money and I'd go private and they'll go private. The, the idea that companies right. can't go private is just ridiculous. I don't, I, I see people who are like, well, you'll do it or whatever. We all take the company private. Well, we'll come and get you anyway. No, you won't. You won't do anything. I won't. And, and then the other thing, too, is can I tell you the biggest, the biggest side loser out of this that's going to be is philanthropy. Yeah. It'll be a monster loser because now you're taking my money. So don't come to me for money for the soup kitchen. You sons of bitches are already taking all my money right up front. And rich people think like that. And I'll tell you. I've seen it already. I've seen it in New Jersey and New York already. People leave. They go to West Palm Beach. What goes with them is their donations. But this is a oh, killer sure, right? at all levels. You're in, why would I donate to the, you know, why would I donate to the New York Symphony when I can actually go down to West Palm Beach, 
you know, and make the jug band better. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it's it's all. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure they're, they're more sophisticated than that down there. I'm but sure yes, you're right. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm sure there are down there. Well, and there's but... another angle here, which is that yeah, you're right. So you can take things private, um, and then you, if you have, if you sell a company, you'll have a big capital gain. But okay, then it's just one time you were expecting that anyway. Um, and again, people like you and I wouldn't be able to do this, but people with that sort of resources could move this stuff to Switzerland, to Dubai, to Singapore, to wherever. Um, not even evading taxes. I think, you know, once you move capital abroad, if it's post-tax and you make a tax, I could be wrong on this, excuse me, if you make a gain abroad on a foreign stock, I don't think it's taxable here. Uh, again, could be wrong on that, but, um, you know, there are legions of people that help the wealthy get around this. So it always ends up falling on the middle class. Um, and I don't know, you know, Manchin, he's thwarted the Biden administration's policies so far, most of them, not all of them, but certainly there was some mega spending early in the administration that Manchin was okay with. But I don't know, getting a, a West Virginia Democrat to agree to a tax on quote unquote billionaires might not be that hard. I think the problem they're going to have with will be the John Testers of the world, the the, the Mark Warners of the world, um, uh, Kelly. I, I even think, to be perfectly honest with you, they're going to have a significant problem with some of the Californians because the Californians, mm. oh, by right. and large, they, they, live off the, uh, they live off the largesse of tech billionaires and tech multimillionaires and the Hollywood people. And we both know, Christian, you're called it. You're 100% correct. The New York Times. I love that somebody pointed out in the New York Times, the New York Times goes billionaires tax to be put in. And that was in the, that was in the headline. And then in the lead, like right below it, literally 30 words apart was, you know, those making more than a hundred million dollars. And I'm going like, who at the New York Times can't do math? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in other words, they took in 30 words, we took this from and then we divided by 10. You know, right. and we both we both know that a hundred million. I I actually saw or heard somebody that said um, the real the real number they want to get to is about twenty million. And that's a lot of people, and that's a lot of people who who you know that's 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 a lot of people who right. are wealthy people. But it's business owners. It's it's guys who've spent a lifetime on Wall Street or not even a lifetime, and now they're going to start getting hit with this. But that's the number that they're going to have to come up with. And I think what they'll do is they'll lower that 20% down to like 10% or 5% and then they'll spread it. But then, then they're dead. I mean, at, 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 at this point in time, at this point in time, this is when you start, to, as a friend of mine, this is when you start divorcing your left-wing partner who's like, I think we all have to give. Really? <laughs> you, <know>? right. <laughs> you go, go. Give that, You're already go giving give half, it. right? Yeah. You're already giving half. So you take, you t go give, go give, go give whatever I'm, you know, going to get. I mean, really, I think there's going to be some major league fights in left wing families about this thing because it's right. a killer. It's, 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 it, it, it deprives people of wealth. And that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Wealth is, a, is, is something that is so unique. Milton Friedman always made the very clear distinction, and I loved him for it. We are not a society in the, in the West, mainly in the US he was speaking of, where basically the goal is to get rich. The goal is to build wealth for our family. In other words, if, if, if you and Marco, if, if, if myself and Wing, we're not making all the money we're making 
so that basically we can spend it all before we, 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 we live. At least that's what I tell my kids. But the fact of the matter is, <laughs> the fact of the matter is what we're telling people and what we know in our hearts is we're, we're building wealth for our family. We're building security for our family. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're doing. We're a family organized group. So when they come in and they take this, they're taking it from your family. They're taking wealth from your family. Mm -hmm. And so what they're telling you is when you're trying to defend it, okay, that you're greedy. Because what they're having to say is they're trying to make sure that you're McScrooge up in the corner. That's how they want to portray you, you know, where you're diving into your stacks of gold and everybody's running around, you know, and you're buying new Ferraris. That's not true. What you're hoping right. is a family of four that basically maybe you can retire with a couple of million bucks in your bag. And when you look up and, you know, when you're looking through the to the other side, you're going like, OK, I got I got everybody taken care of. I'm going to be somebody's going to put get a, a college education out of me. You know what I'm saying? That's why I worked. That's why I built. Nobody builds an empire because they're the very last day they want to jump into it and, you know, burn up in flames. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you're, you're, right. And, you know, conceptually here, you could say that, uh, you know, those making 20 million or more deserve higher taxes, even though, again, if they're in places like New York, they're already paying half of that. Um, but what you're doing is you're taking money from the productive sector and people who know how to allocate capital to, you know, whether it's their family or to, and a lot of times, you know, they're not out buying more Fabergé egg and Bentleys, they are reinvesting this. And you're taking it from that sector to the government sector. And the government sector, you know, thought Solyndra and General Motors were both awesome investments in 2010. Um, and they just, you know, the progressives can't get their mind around the idea that individuals with experience um, choosing in the best interest, the principled best interest of their families can allocate capital in a more efficient and better manner than bureaucrats. I mean, you'd think that a simple trip to the post office or the DMV would let people reach that conclusion, but they don't seem to, to draw that about half of the country doesn't. I, I, I think the problem you have is, is that, again, we have people living in their little zones. And, you know, I really, I know this sounds really bad to say, I don't really get upset when I meet people on welfare who said, I want more, I want more, I want more. You know what I'm saying? In other words, and they're, what they do is they're going to come in and the government shows up. Some politician says, well, we can get it from this guy. You know what I'm saying? And when probably you have to make the case to them, and I think that's our responsibility to say, well, you know what? You'll actually have more. You'll be more secure. You won't owe this government. You won't owe people anything if you go out and get it yourself. And that's why the employment story in the U.S. is so great today. You know what I'm saying? We just have to find ways to get around Biden's 9% inflation. It's not 7%, believe me. Right. And, right. and, and the thing is, is that so I, I, tend to, I tend to believe and I tend to think that when they do this stuff, it comes from the worst possible motivation. They're trying to pit people against other people, and it's hatred. That's why I think AOC is so damn funny. I think AOC is a diva. I think she, first of all, good looking. I'm sorry. She's a very attractive woman. She dresses up. She cleans up really well. Okay. She looked good in that dress. The dress was ridiculous, but she looked really good in it. This is have the you ever tax the rich or eat the rich dress? I forget which. Yeah, eat the rich, the rich, whatever it is. But the thing is, is like, you're looking at her and she's this beautiful woman and then when you start looking at her, what she wears and what she carries and what she likes, this woman likes nice stuff. 
And I think I think that most what we should do now is we should have the you said it right away a couple of weeks ago. We need to have the Nancy Pelosi tracker. Well, you know, stock tracker, <laughs> the, the, ETF, new, yeah. the AOC stock tracker, because she well, likes stuff. So anything she's invested in, I want to be in because she's going to do everything she can to make money. She really does like nice stuff. I mean, she has very good mm-hmm. taste. You know, one of the things is and and I please, folks, I'm, I'm not using makeup, but somebody pointed out to me the makeup that she uses is very, very expensive. Huh? She uses very expensive makeup. Not um, as expensive as John Edwards, maybe, but pretty close. You know, close. Ah, dating myself. You know, and, and, and look, look, it's an unfair. It's an unfair thing for women. I've always, I've always believed that I, you know, worked in the news business, and it's completely unfair to women. Guys, we can go put on a tie, stand out there, a little bit of stuff. We're there. These poor women online on air reporters. I mean, you know, they're for two hours. You know, they're an hour and a half every hour every morning, getting ready to go. You know what I'm saying? The goal is to find a hairstyle that basically doesn't you know, take an hour every day. But my point about AOC is, is that AOC is, is this is, this is, this is her nirvana of just taking stuff from people. She thinks they can just take stuff from people and it's not, it's not going to work. It's, it's the reason why I say right. that she likes nice stuff. And I think in her mind, she's going to go down this road. It's going to be interesting to see where Pelosi comes on this because She's in San Francisco. I think she has more millionaires in her district, more millionaires in her district than second top, than two or three, top two or mm-hmm. three. There's going to be a lot of people there when it really, when that number comes out that says if you're worth more than ten million, you're going to get ten percent. Yeah, okay, we'll see what happens in her district then. We'll see where she comes down on this. I say she kills right. it. I I don't think it sees the light of day this right well and this you know the budget is so out of control it wouldn't really do much to put a dent in the in the uh deficit even if they um you know say it no. will earn well, no, that's, quote unquote that's it hey i want to ask you a question you had a mm-hmm. really good piece on the national interest i mean on on this this week on your on your slack substack it was on real clear politics people should go look it up i mean it's got fifty thousand views that's really kind of impressive to you know to come off that you know, with no promotion and a major thing. Can you talk a little bit about that real quick? I mean, because I, I think people would want to know about it. Oh, well, thanks, Mark. Yeah, no, it was uh, the title was uh, Regime Change Biden Goes Nuts. And I also said that Republicans also are a little bit deranged as well. Um, but for Biden to go over, you know, I used to work in human rights at the State Department, but to go over and say, and this was an offhand remark that the White House just tried to walk back, but to say that that Putin has to go. Uh, essentially, he should lose his job or maybe his life if you if you take the Lindsey Graham approach. Um, but that uh, you know that's and implying because this was in a speech about the war delivered in Poland that that might be part of the objectives of what the U.S. is after there. And if that's true, um, you know that's really the first time since you had the Iraq Liberation Act in 1998, followed five years later, George. W. Bush invading Iraq. Um, are we going back to regime change policies? It's one thing, I mean, to think back, we never said that Ho Chi Minh or the guy who actually held the power in North Vietnam should be deposed. I'm sure we hoped for it. Ronald Reagan, you know, joked um, that we begin bombing in five minutes, referring to the Soviet Union. He said, uh, unjokingly, he said quite seriously that we should uh, consign, or at least history should consign 
uh, Marxism, Leninism to the ash heap of history. But never did he say Gorbachev should be deposed by his own people. I mean, that's a big deal. And I'm not just saying uh, because these are nice guys. I mean, saying that that Putin is a killer. You know, Biden just blithely did that about a year ago. And more recently, he said Putin is a war criminal. The, 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 both of those things may be true. But as president of the United States, you have to deal with other foreign leaders, especially the president of Russia. And if we look at this war, how does the war end? It's not going well for the Russians, but it's not really going that great for the Ukrainians. I mean, <laughs> several of their cities have been destroyed practically. Uh, it's going to require a negotiated settlement. And clearly the person unless there is some unforeseen change that doesn't seem to be in the cards, uh, you're going to be dealing with Putin. And, you know, if you're dealing, if you're going to go buy a used car, this is something I think most Americans understand instinctively. For some reason, the geniuses from the Harvard Kennedy School don't. If you're going to go buy a used car, does it make any sense to call up the salesman in advance and call him a scumbag, even if he is one? Of course not. You're not going to do that. Um, and there's just a, a complete lack of pragmatism uh, in the approach of this. And I sort of then carry on the argument that um, I think they're being hysterical because they think Ukraine might be a way out of all their failures. There was the big failure in Afghanistan, but before that, Iraq, uh, Syria, and Libya. And the neocons or the, ne uh, the neoliberals, the end apple bombs of the world, think that if we can get this one right, maybe it makes up for that huge pile of corpses, the several hundred thousand people who are dead from all of these misadventures. Um, and I don't think it will. And Biden's popularity, as it turns out, is not going up as a result of this war. I think there's a little more skepticism out there than is reflected on cable news. But anyway, that's the gist of the article. Curious what you think about developments in Russia and also sort of the financial element of, of what we're seeing uh, as a result of the war. Well, I think, I think, first of all, I thought it was a very good article. Um, I, I tend to be in the Charlie Wilson school of thought with this. You know, uh, um, first of all, Zelensky, uh, he may be uh, a bit difficult, but he's our, but he, he's on our side is a bit difficult. In other words, we don't always get what we want in our allies, so I don't really cotton to much of the criticism of him. Shocking, shocking. There's corruption in Central than in the steps. <laughs> shocking, I'm, you know. Um, but the thing is, I think that really where you're correct is, I, I think that they, the neoliberals, and I think also Biden, especially, I'm not sure his people believe it, but I think he does. He thinks that somehow that if, if the Russians even just stop and pull back, he's going to be able to like go out there and he, I think he's lost it. I think really he has in this sense that he thinks he's going to go out there and be able to declare a win. And the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, you know, it's kind of like Trump. Like one of the problems with Trump is he surrounds himself with all these people who are sycophants, but not just internally in his circle. His circle is problematic. But when you go out in the world and like these people are like, you know, they like Donald Trump's playing three dimensional chess. Really? You know, you, you read you read some of the um, some of the uh, the, the former Bi Obama administration officials who are like praise and biting for this stuff. And then you look at all the commentary on there. It's always Gladys, who's a retired government official living somewhere in uh, Florida, who's like, I'm so glad Joe Biden's our leading or Donald Trump is not. It's like they're so desperate to believe that basically 
Zelensky is going to go forward and that's it. That's why you've got all these people putting their ridiculous Ukrainian flags on there. Like that's the new that's the new marker. You know what I'm saying? Yet right. they don't have any Afghani flags on their thing. And they weren't really all that crazy about freeing the Iraqi people, you know. But I, I mean, the thing is, is like, are you know, freeing anybody else? You know, I don't see them out there trying to free the Rohingya, you know, who are, who are, are the Uyghurs or all these things. My point is, it's, I, I think the thing that Biden, they've got themselves into is basically a, it's almost like this emotional quagmire of everything. And I'm using the term emotional quagmire. And they're just looking for a way to get out. I know that sounds really, but the Harvard... And all the smart people and all the experts have been wrong for so long. I've reached the point now where, what did somebody say? I'd rather be judged by the first 20 names in the uh, <laughs> right. in, in the New York Boston City phone, phone book, yeah. Boston phone book than all of Congress. I've reached the point now where I'm willing to like be judged by the, have foreign policy set by the first 20 names in the, not the Boston phone book, the first 20 names <laughs> in like the Akron, Ohio phone book, you know, right. rather like than or something. Yeah, Nashville phone book, rather than, um, you know, all these, all these really smart people, because they're all so wrong. And, and, and the problem is with Biden calling for this guy, just on the practical level, and then I'll, I'll move to the rest of it. First of all, oh. If somebody was going to get rid of Putin and they were looking for ways to get out of him, Biden just basically screwed him like no tomorrow, because the mm -hmm. person who moves against Putin is now carrying Biden's back. Biden just put baggage on that person inside Russia because mm -hmm. person A takes out Putin and they get th that group Our group A takes out Putin's group. Then right around group B is behind group A saying group A is a puppet of the United States and doing things. The Russians do not hate Vladimir Putin. Putin is still probably in the mid forties in terms of popularity. And yes. I think if the U.S. tried to do something against him, I think he'd go back up above 50%. There's been some very good articles lately about how, why the Russians are not overall rebelling. Yes. There are people in the streets. Yes, it is going against Putin at home, but it doesn't mean, you know, what I'm saying that Putin, they want Putin out. I'll tell you a great story. Then we'll move on. Um, some guys who were at Tiananmen Square who were at the embassy told me a story that they were running around trying to collect intel and oh, when, it, when Tiananmen was going on. And the Chinese kept stopping them and saying, we just hate these guys. We don't hate China. We don't hate the party. And he said it was it was very, very I can't remember Larry's last name. It was very, very interesting that you basically learned very quickly that people were patriotic. They did. They they, they don't automatically, you mm. know, take this whole view that they're going to flip. And I think we're seeing that with the Russians. The Russians are the Russians see themselves as persecuted. And Putin's done a very good job, as has the his party done a very good job of, of, of setting that up. So, yeah, I, I think that my real issue with the president is first he was he told the 82nd airborne they're going to be in ukraine tomorrow okay. <laughs> that was the news to them yeah <laughs> and i'm like that's like okay great and then the funny thing is is like he gaffed so much you know what i'm saying that basically he he basically pushed that one out of the news with his new thing the most interesting thing to me there was to watch the people who you, you started to see the honesty and the dishonesty you know, when people go, well, he's just saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, that's why it's the quiet part. You don't say, you don't say it out loud. Um, right. So, you know, and, and just the justifications I thought were, were kind of ridiculous. What it means economically is, well, we just saw something that happened today. 
The UK said they're ready to restart trade ties, and the Germans said they're ready to restart once the fighting stops. Hmm. So they put the carrot out there. That was that was in the press this morning when I woke up. The UK is ready to restart trade, so they're ready to go again. So basically, Putin is going to have an interruption. They're letting the apparently the Russians are now letting the Ukrainian farmers plant. You know, the, oh, wow. the, planting, the plantings are, are starting to be prepared and coming in. Seed shipments are making it in because they're, they're I mean, they're making sure this farmers get their seed shipments. So the thing is, is that I think Putin just has to find an off ramp, which is why calling him a murderer and saying he has to go is not helpful. The main what we want him to do is stop blowing up Ukrainian people. And, yes. you know, if. And 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 Zelensky's come out and said, I mean, I think the Ukrainians have written off some of these territories. You know what I'm saying? And right. you know, then we're going to have to see what's going to happen. And to me, I'm sorry, but you know, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, later right. we can later the correction can happen, but it it, it is it is going to be a situation for 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 investment where first of all, all the oil companies have pulled out. Well, they're gonna start having to look to go back in. So to me, you're gonna to wanna to start to look to companies that can probably go back in quicker and more easily. So they're probably gonna be on foreign bourses. You're probably not gonna find any US or even UK companies that can go back in right away. The other thing I think is gonna be incredibly interesting is I do think that there'll be food, pro pro there'll be food shortages not food shortages, but there'll be supply and commodity price, massive price increases. Maybe you're on uh -huh. the other side of it. Maybe you're not, or maybe maybe it's too late. I don't think it is. I think if you can find a way into the commodities funds or something like that, I wouldn't buy any commodities. I think you might be okay. Um, but I do think we are going to see some companies pick back up. And here's the final thing. I would buy... BAS systems. I am looking at a lot of European arm makers now because, oh. you know, all this stuff, it's, I had a, I heard a great line the other day. It's essentially, this is like all these weapons going to Ukraine is like somebody getting permission to sweep out their closet and now they get to go shopping again. So for example, the Brits, are sending all, they, they've apparently sent every missile that the Brits have sent. They, they don't have any, they don't have any weapons less than like, I think it's five years old in the, in, in, in the UK. And it's going to go down to two. They'll keep enough for themselves. You know what I'm saying? But they're going to send those out. So what's going to happen is the old stuff goes, you know what I'm saying? That's how you, that's how you do it. You push the old stuff out and the Brits get wow. the new stuff, new and improved and all these other things. And the fact of the matter is, I've kind of noticed one thing with the Ukrainians. They're not very good shots with these anti-air missiles. I watch the videos. <laughs> they tend to shoot a lot of them before they take one down. And in fact, I put that oh. out there and somebody said, yeah, the Afghanis were a bit more, you know, sparing. In other words, you know, they, for whatever, for however they did it, they did a little bit differently. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, oh. the fact of the matter is, is, is Zelensky said the other day he needed 50,000 I think he just made that up. You know, <laughs> yes. When he negotiates, he starts with a big number first, it seems, on anything. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's okay. But, you know, 50,000, so he gets 5,000 of these things. So, he, you know, so the thing is, I mean, 
Somebody already said the French are already complaining that the military is already complaining, saying we're getting very, very short on I'm stuff. Sure, well, you remember during the Libya war, which France and Britain started and then dragged us into it because they ran out of smart weapons after about five days. <laughs> it's like, like what, happens, what happens if there's a war in Europe? Yeah, I mean, and so, you know, President Obama was called upon and, you know, it wasn't just, hey, we'd like you to join. It's like you have to come because we're out of weapons. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, we you know we saw this. Believe it or not, we saw the same thing in the Falklands War too. That's actually mm -hmm. the, the the Falklands War was actually somebody actually made the point that if the, if the uh, if the Argentinians would have tried to hold out longer, it would have been very problematic for the for the uh, for the for the Brits. They were they were they were they were scrambling to get um, they were scrambling to get. Uh, 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 Protestant, because you see, they had no way to reinforce. People have to remember that. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing right. too is, but but the real thing is, is that I mean, sorry to resupply. They're, you know, they didn't have. They they basically sent it down by ship. But so the thing is, is my point is, is that I think there's going to be opportunities in, in Russia, um, but I think there's going to be other opportunities too in rebuilding Ukraine. And I I think you're going to see companies, but I I think there's still a few buys, and I think some of those buys are. The first buy, I think, is going to be um, weapons, I mean, defense contractors in the U.S. I think the second buy is going to be oil and gas development because I think our problems with Russia are not going to go away very quickly. And I also think the Europeans really now want an alternative source, and I think Biden has been busted on this. I'm also starting to believe, and I know this, I'm not fully, I'm not fully worked out here on this yet, I'm starting to believe that we're going to start to look at companies that to short that are having tough times in Europe with manpower. And that's a lot more deep research. I, I think mm -hmm. I think I think the, I think what's happened in Ukraine, I think if too many of those people have left, I think a million of them aren't coming back. And you can already see wow. people sucking that talent up. And so I, I think my point being is. I think there's probably this to me, this to me, this is heightening the attention on European companies that can't get talent. And there's going to be certain ones that can't. And I know that's a very small, small play, but I think it's an it, people who can help solve that problem. S-A-A-S is what I'm getting to the point of. In other right, words, yeah, right. you can short a few companies, mm -hmm. but in Europe, are we going to start seeing the serviced as software people get a rebirth, get a, re, a rebirth? And get a resurgence because the simple fact of the matter is is that when you when you saw all these countries showing up to suck up these ukrainian refugees because they needed labor it was an amazing thing and i'm doing it too i'm hoping we can get a couple i'm hoping we get 10 or fifteen thousand ukrainians to the ontario area because i got a couple of businesses there i'd love to hire some into you know it's it's going to be it's going to be a really it's going to be a real eye-opener for people anyway Right. All right. Well, yeah. Next time we're gonna have to. You're in Taiwan. Uh, next time we're gonna have to talk a bit about that. I know you're yeah. in quarantine now, but hopefully it'll be sprung. That's before too let me long. get out. Let me get out and talk to. I've, let me get out to talk to people <laughs> rather than having people. Not that anybody's ever come up here before. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have for this episode of Simon White. Uh, joining, joining us. Come back soon for the next episode. Thanks. Right.